all those games has you know skins and uh today counter-strike have opened so you actually have a skin market but beforehand you actually needed to you know trade accounts in nfts we get the like true ownership of that because i can instead of selling you my whole account i can sell you this wicked ass knife for uh, mm -hmm. counter-strike the most important thing is if i didn't get banned by counter-strike i wouldn't uh, lose all my assets my two years five years ten years of you know gaming <laughs> I live unbanked off of cryptocurrency, and I use BitRefill extensively because it lets me pay with crypto at places that don't yet accept it directly. This one service more than any other helps me live on crypto, pay your prepaid phone bill, or buy gift cards to thousands of major retailers around the world, all with cryptocurrency, including for exact amounts so you don't have to buy more gift credit than you need for a specific purchase. You can use BitRefill without an account, but if you get an account, you can earn rewards points, which translate to savings, and you can also hold a balance denominated in dollars or euros to protect yourself against market crashes. Go to bitrefill.com, click Create Account, and enter the referral code DCN, or follow the link in the description. Hey everyone, I have the fantastic pleasure today of speaking with the one and only Danish Crypto. How's it going? Hello, hey, and thanks for having me on here. Um, yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's see what the day can bring. So, yeah, well, just really quick before we dive into things, do you mind telling people a little bit about your background and kind of what you do in the crypto space? Um, yeah, sure. I've done, um, uh, a lot. I've been in the crypto space for around 10 years now. Um, I've worked with a majority of projects uh, mainly as a community supporter or um, community management and promotion. Um, I've worked with the uh, pre-search since launch, uh, decentralized search engine. Uh, I've worked with Motacoin, a cannabis related uh, project basically since the, their launch. Um, I've helped uh, nano community uh quite a bit uh also when they branched over to make their meme coin um banano mm -hmm. i also helped there a good bit and uh in the last two two and a half years i uh went nft crazy um mm -hmm. because i actually wanted to make a membership uh nfts for the first 150 members we were getting in the moda coin um telegram chat and then i realized that even at that time that would have cost me more than 1100 dollars just to mint nfts for a fun process or a fun you know project for something i wanted not something the project necessarily was pointing me at yeah. um and I thought that was a bit too much. And suddenly I saw um, Ken Bosak doing a interview with some guys on Wax and saw like NFTs being minted pretty damn cheap. And since then I jumped over and basically have been working full time on Wax projects. Um, I'm also a, a ESB queen for the day uh, for the 
Scandinavian and English Beehive, uh, which is a EOS promotion team. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about what I've been doing and still are doing. Um, yeah. 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 So that's uh, the, the NFT crazy thing is kind of, um, it's kind of an interesting topic because from the outside perspective, a lot of people don't really understand what NFTs are. They think that they're buying, you know, a picture, like an ugly picture or something, or it's an artwork or something, and that's it. And a lot of people probably in the crypto space who've been in there for a while seem to disregard NFTs a little bit as some sort of like a money grab. And so when people see the someone saying like, oh, I went crazy off over NFTs, they a lot of people might assume that 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 means they went just crazy over the prospects of making a lot of money off of them, but that there's not really substance behind that. And so uh, really quick, what are the, what's the value you see in NFTs beyond just a digital collectible? Um, for one, if you ever seen or played a lot of games, uh, World of Warcraft, um, RuneScape or Counter-Strike, um, all those games has, you know, skins and uh, today Counter-Strike have opened. So you actually have a skin market, but beforehand you actually needed to, you know, trade accounts, which uh, suddenly you're trading whatever you have on that account and not just that one little skin you want to give somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, in NFTs, we get the like true ownership of that because I can, instead of, selling you my whole account i can sell you this wicked ass knife for uh, mm -hmm. counter-strike um that goes for the market for ten thousand uh, dollars even though they're not nfts but if you made them nfts they could get like decentralized because we can take them out of the game i can have them in my own personal wallet i can put this special one over to uh you know, vault. So mint one of this knife now is instead of having it in an account I'm playing with, I'm having it locked up somewhere. And the most important thing is if I then get banned by Counter-Strike by uh, Steam, uh, well, uh, then I wouldn't uh, lose all my assets, my two years, five years, 10 years of you know, gaming. Um, and then we come into the metaverse aspect of what everybody has been talking about at least the last year or so. Mm -hmm. That if it's NFT based, anyone in the world can take that NFT and import it into their game, their whatever they're using. Because it's on the blockchain, it's available for everyone. I can take crypto kitties right now and implement them into my game. So if you hold a crypto kitty, now you get X amount of powers and whatever in my game. And the creators can't stop me. Nobody can stop me. Yeah. That's a metaverse bridge aspect that many people don't really see. Mm -hmm. uh, the greatest example we have for something I can just point at is Ready Player One. Yeah. the movie they actually do a pretty great job at 
showing this NFT and real world binding. <clears throat> but I'm sorry. Um, but when it comes to um, utility for like we see now on Wax, we have the uh, project Taco, which is a utility combining app. Um, they started as a way you could control your Wax wallet. So you can log in with your uh, cloud wallet and you could then swap easy on there. Mm -hmm. Then they added uh, NFTs as small taco sauces, which is a fun little aspect, <laughs> but they unlock different tools in the app. So if you're using the decentralized exchange Alcor and doing liquidity pools, then the uh, Alcor sauce is just for you. And okay. as soon as you have that in your wallet, that service is unlocked in the app. Utility, perfect utility, mm -hmm. and it works. There's, uh, but there is a majority of people there's jumping on this to create art and what you call money grab. And of mm -hmm. course there is, there is any time there's a chance to be made money by doing as little as possible, people are jumping on it. It's, it's yeah, but the the things we see really working and and making uh, like a user base and having some kind of uh, long uh, longevity uh, mm. in total are the ones that has some kind of utility, and that's also an aspect that many people like don't understand because either they think that the art needs to be amazing and the utility needs to be great. You can actually have shitty art with great utility because the utility is actually what matters in the most cases. Because, of course, uh, to have something pretty in the wallet is not to be underestimated in any way because it's it's nice to have something pretty to look at. But if you, like, many people don't like when I say this, but NFTs are only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Yeah, which sounds like an obvious thing to say, right? Everything is yes. only worth what people are willing to pay for it. Exactly, but we have this, again, The with normal cryptocurrency, the market we have put up is a swap base. So it's always possible to swap your currency for somebody, something else at the price that it's, supposedly at right now mm -hmm. where with nfts i can put an nft up for ten dollars but if somebody puts it up at eleven dollars maybe somebody didn't buy mine even though mine is cheaper mm -hmm. because they need to find it they also need to buy it it's like going into two different grocery stores even though it's all in one market <laughs> yeah it makes the non the fungible aspect it makes it non-fungible, right? They're not all the same as each other. Exactly. Um, and that's also where mint numbers in some cases um, play a huge role. If you can get a mint one of something and that project gets huge, uh, mm -hmm. then you're probably sitting on a gold mine. Um, because again, like um, there is also alien worlds, um, NFTs on 
Wax, you've probably heard of it. It's one of the biggest crypto mm -hmm. games in the world at the moment. Yeah. Even though there is honestly not much gameplay to it, but it's functioning. Um, their lands, for example, went for $20 a pack where you could get like open a pack and get a random chance of a common land to a mythic land. Today, the cheapest common land is around $8,000. Wow. Um, and that no matter the mint number. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So some of that, that has to be a lot more expensive than just 8,000 too. If you want a rare land or a legendary land, yeah, we are talking 30,000, 100,000. Wow, that's it's like not cheap anymore. That's and what that physical land. Like <laughs> one and a half year ago, that was $20. Uh, and it, it's insane. Uh, yeah, and so that's something that's definitely going to take a lot of people time to adjust to over time is the concept of digital property. Already, you have people with cryptocurrency that don't really understand how something digital, like a digital currency could be owned by someone, but then you have digital property that to a lot of people's mind is kind of imaginary, but it's not, it exists in certain ways. It's you a know? gamified way of looking at star stocks in a game company. Mm -hmm. Because instead of you just boringly enough, having 10 stocks in whatever gaming company, now you have your property that you maybe can do something on. That's at least a, mm -hmm. like the dream of the many of the uh, metaverses out there that you actually can do something on your land, like rent something out or build something. Uh, and in that way, make it a little more special. But that's basically your share in the game company, because when the game makes revenue, you make revenue on that mm -hmm. land. So. It's a new way of thinking of that. And personally, as a gamer and always been a gamer, all that, like the fact that you can kind of say you're playing with money, it's mm -hmm. really fun because it's not as serious as actually playing with money, even though the amount of money you sometimes are throwing around are actually more than you probably would have in real life. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Uh, so it, one thing that I think a lot of people don't really understand also is we do have some something approaching digital real estate and other things. Like, for example, whenever you run like a Twitter ad, a, a promoted Twitter, it's a piece of the Twitter commons that you get to rent for that period of time. And so something, even though it's not necessarily a game, it's an incredibly valuable public communication square. And if you had the one, like a random, like NFT for, if you could actually buy that space and just whoever owns the NFT to that space gets to display what they want on it. That's kind of a it's, similar uh, type thing. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, there are already games out there uh, on wax where it's possible. Um, one is uh, galactic one, two, three, um, mm -hmm. really simple. Uh, MMO game where you have uh, travel space and land on planets kind of like alien worlds but there is more gamification to it mm -hmm. but when you land on a planet you can you then have information field about the planet 
and people can customize that as they want to so there can be links and referral links whatever um and even upload uh some form of pictures to it then there are the the uplift world which is a minecraft uh, extension uh, it's built on minecraft okay um the java edition so you log in there and play around and you can buy uh, nfts there are land pieces for minecraft this minecraft server where if you hold the nft you can build on that property and do whatever you want and they have a couple of different servers what some of them are uh, what is it called survival mode and some of them are creative so if you buy a land in survival mode you're gonna you know hunt that area or um go trade with your neighbors to get what you need to build your thing on your your plot which is amazing and then everybody running over it and so on you make uh, wax on yeah it's um fun aspects for small gaming that everybody actually in some way can be part of <clears throat> so uh we both you mentioned ken bozak earlier and he's kind of my connection to the nft space i have to say because i've known ken for a while um and while you know a lot of people i think take, take him do not take him seriously because of the way he looks and acts uh he's always like very real and astute and so when people are talking about nfts and stuff all i saw were these board apes the you know the people one like all these like super expensive ethereum ones that you know and i kind of at some point understood i needed to get into the space but didn't like the idea of trying to mint something like on Ethereum was just just a no go for me, just way too expensive, and just I can't make that work. And so uh, Ken, of course, turned me on to Wax, or to which is why I'm like investigating and all that kind of stuff. So well, for you, why do you think why do you use Wax for uh, for NFTs instead of maybe a more popular network, or, or at least for what people might think is more popular, um, such as like Ethereum? Yeah, or popularity like some, is one thing, and um um th this is a harsh but easy question to ask um i have been in crypto for 10 years i have been on the majority of blockchains out there um and for an uh, ethereum is great for a lot of aspects and we wouldn't have been in the place we are at today in crypto if it hasn't been for ethereum mm -hmm. but Ethereum can't handle what EOSIO brings to the table, and in that case, Wax. Hmm. Um, Wax is built for its world asset exchange. It's built to exchange assets online. So that's kind of like goes to say it's faster it's cheaper it's carbon neutral um uh, and yeah we don't instead of fees on wax we have stake which you stake to get more powers to use to network but 
if you put in a hundred wax on stake and you play some games and now it says you're out of CPU, you stop playing for a couple of hours and you can continue. And if you are actively voting on uh, block producers on uh, the network or have set a proxy uh, to do that, that's basically a, putting somebody else in charge of voting on which block producers on the network are doing mm. good or bad stuff, like being stable, basically. Yeah. Um, but if if you have done that, then in two years, you have played around with WAX and you've done that, your 100 WAX will now have been 130, 40, 50 WAX because you have voted and you have staked and you've not lost anything and you're still mm -hmm. being able to use the network. The only thing you might lose something on is if you create NFTs because that requires RAM because mm -hmm. it RAM should have been called hard disk space for mm -hmm. it to make like perfect sense for a computer. Yeah. Um, but your RAM is basically putting a storage space to put NFTs up on the network. So you get mm -hmm. a little more RAM when you burn the NFTs you have created but not the full amount that you use to create them. Okay. So if you continuously are making NFTs, you would use more RAM. And that's the only thing you don't get back fully, even though you can sell RAM again later. If you mm -hmm. bought for 10,000 wax uh, RAM and figured out you only needed 1,000, you mm -hmm. can sell the remaining 9,000 RAM or wax mm -hmm. worth of RAM. So it's not throwing money out of the window like it often feels on Ethereum, Binance, Polygon, and so on. And again, I can't hate on those blockchains because they've all done amazing things, mm -hmm. but all of them are failing because Binance Smart Chain, ooh, it only will cost you around a cent to do a transaction. It worked until they got traction. Yeah. And now it's a dollar to five dollars. And mm -hmm. Ethereum is for twenty dollars to two hundred and fifty dollars. And Polygon mm -hmm. is already at thirty to thirty cents to a dollar. It, mm. it fundamentally just don't work. Yeah. But they are all done amazing things in other aspects, but when they're trying to do, you know, everything, it just don't work. Um so I'm a big fan again after like two and a half years ago when I found Wax and started mm -hmm. looking into to all this on EOSIO. I became like convinced that those kind of technologies here are superior to what I've been using. And I was a big no-go for EOS in the beginning because of mm -hmm. Block One. So I was yeah, like course. scared away from all that, but getting introduced to WAX got me introduced to the system that is ESIO mm -hmm. and what that can do. And that is unbelievably amazing. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is on uh, Blocktivity's activity sites, WAX appears to be the most like, the most prolific blockchain maybe not i don't think they track solana at the moment 
but wax is always it's also at the top. hard to track when it's going down all the time <laughs> yeah which um, is it's gonna be funny if in like five years or something solana manages to be very like universally used very stable super respected it could, and, again and then but still anyone talking about it from this era has to put in that little I, reference of it's if, not working if you can find <laughs> anything true. from me talking about eos five years ago mm -hmm. it would be the same yeah exactly like, um but again getting into it it's more the people that were running eos today the community is really starting to take eos back for example and the mm -hmm. eos block producers has uh, the eos network foundation has taken uh over the github and throwing block one out of the bus mm -hmm. uh, so there is happening a lot on there also but if we just focus mainly on like the majority of the ESIO blockchain, um, they can do so much uh, and it's so easy to do. And even non-Cody, nerdy people, developing people can actually manage the most of this stuff, even mm -hmm. though there isn't enough tools built for many of this yet. And we also saw that with block one and EOS, there isn't many, you know, known EOS wallets out there. Mm -hmm. um, and and that was a major problem. But today we have uh, a shatter and we have anchor and uh, pocket token pocket and we have uh, uh, starred US and all of them are EOS wax Telos, proton compatible. Um, and some of them is also multi-currency, so can have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tron, so on. Um, but that was a majority problem in the beginning that, you know, Block One did uh, majority funding and didn't really seem to be willing to build wallets for their awesome protocol. But again, they wasn't really lying because under the crowdfunding, they said that they would build the ESIO network that would allow people to do whatever they, they wanted to do. And they did, but they just didn't do much more than that, which people kind of failed to see that, hey, I'm giving you a, a way to do a fully decentralized thing. Now you need to go do your thing. Yeah, exactly. And people just said and was waiting for Plug One to do stuff. And now I'm part of the people trying to be there to get all those chains to do stuff. We yeah, try yeah. to get the wax up on more exchanges and getting playing around with sub tokens on wax, uh, you know, TLM, the alien world one is on wax, but it's also on Binance smart chain, uh, but two different utilities on, on those tokens. One is main from when you mine on the game, and one is from when you do uh, space missions with your aircrafts. Uh, so even though both are TLM, but the different chain tokens have different utilities in the game, which is also a bit confusing, but it's, it's what you call it, uh, a nice... Uh, way to bring some uh some more people in and reach out to to a bigger audience because wax is 
a small blockchain still we we don't have as much like money and people and developers in as uh, some of the bigger chains but in the last two years wax has overtaken uh, binance smart chain polygon and ethereum in the daily transactions and active users there are more smart contracts and stuff doing stuff that we can't calculate because but like uh transactions daily transactions on on games and and normal transactions we do more than ethereum and active real people we have more than ethereum and that's in two years of uh, of wax taking off because it it works um if i should send you an nft right now if we're gonna do this live on on here Mm -hmm. if i send you a ethereum nft it's maybe gonna be there before we're done uh if i send you a wax nft we can throw it back and forth Mm -hmm. a couple hundred times before this podcast is done um and it will not cost us anything if if we have uh, wax staked for resources then it will not cost anything so the resource model you basically from an economic perspective you basically pre-buy capacity and then once you have a capacity level you could just use it at that capacity indefinitely and so if you just if you have a very like a limited amount of things you need to do and you start running into capacity limits you just have to wait and then wait till the next day or whatever and can use it yeah as long as it's not ram if it's ram mm -hmm. you need more ram because you're creating Mm -hmm. either your own token on there or nfts all of it uh, needs hard disk space to work and that's ram yeah so ram is the one i guess fee or gas fee kind of yeah but you can you can still like sell the rest of what you have again if you buy for 500 wax ram right now Mm -hmm. and only use 100 you can sell the remaining ram uh there's also a small trick to it if you buy ram when wax is cheap you get more bytes per wax more Mm -hmm. and you can sell that when wax goes up in price if you don't need it because you get what the price of ram is when you sell it and you bought it at yeah yeah but so there, there is a lot of uh, small things and i i love the eos change in general uh, all of them i've i haven't been much on proton yet but other than that i'm yeah, heavily involved in eos wax and and uh, telos i'm starting to get more involved on telos they are all doing amazing amazing stuff yeah so when um how much obviously so do you have any idea about what the average today what the average nft costs to mint on wax because obviously it's a certain amount of ram um it's 140 kilobytes Mm -hmm. per nft if it has two sides to it Mm mm-hmm yeah, and what is so it r- roughly zero dot zero dot two wax or so per NFT? Mm. Interesting. Let me see um, what that goes for as far as 
So 0.2 wax per NFT about right now, something like yeah. that. Yeah, 0.2 wax per NFT. Yeah, so that's quite cheap, right? That's a, just a few cents or something like that, right? Yeah, um, and, and that's maybe even on the, on the high end because, again, if you put, buy RAM for 100 wax, you can probably make 10,000 NFTs if you not do it like straight away. <laughs> Yeah, of course. It's so that basically makes it that does definitely make it more of a, like a utilitarian case because with Ethereum, no one really cares if they spend a lot of money minting an NFT because the expectation is their NFT is going to be able to be sold for a much higher price and then they're they don't really mind that investment on that thing, but that kind of makes it into like a speculative a more speculative thing rather than I just want something that can can do a thing right now. Yeah, it's um it's a weird aspect in in, in my mind because if mm -hmm. you look at them and uh, that's only taking uh data into into the aspect um how many of the Ethereum NFTs sell or for that matter sell after being sold by the creator. Mm-hmm the secondhand market on Ethereum NFTs are like mostly dead. Mm. It's, it, it's happens like one time when the drop happens, somebody goes in and buys, you know, 10 and right after that. So they get two transactions on it, but also because of the price, again, nobody in their right mindset would sell an NFT for 5,000 if I just paid 10,000 for it. Of course. Yeah, uh, you just hold on to it and keep praying. Yeah, where again, if you pay a dollar for one and realize that you maybe only get, you know, 80 cents for it, or it, it's just not the same pressure, but again, like the Alien Worlds NFTs, if you have a good project or if you have good art, $100,000 per NFT are not impossible on wax. Not at all. Mm. The uh, Splinterlands land went for $125,000 uh, on on wax. And uh, there, like, there is a lot of those. So, it's, yeah, I, I just find it's funny because, again, we have more users. We have more... Um, community real people being interactive on wax which give it this um that the second hand market really um you know kind of works itself um if you look at ken bosak's nfts yeah how many of them can you find where they have traded hands 10 15 100 times a lot and yeah Every time somebody sells that NFT, he gets a 3% or 5%, whatever his collection fee is right now. Mm -hmm. So he maybe sold a dollar for, or an NFT for a dollar. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And somebody sold it again for $1.10. And again and again, but instead of selling that one NFT for a hundred dollars, then selling a hundred NFTs for one dollar, 
and you suddenly you know have a lot more people a lot more chances that those go and sell them and go into another and another and in that way build up your whole revenue model and of course on ethereum yeah you can be you can be really lucky that somebody buys your ethereum rock for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's yeah sure there is also a lot of them there's never moved yeah <laughs> like never um I've seen a few of those. I've like, seen a few. <laughs> even even the guy that bought the first uh, tweet uh, made on Twitter, their NFT framed thing from from uh, uh, Jack Dorfey, uh, he he paid sixteen million dollars for an NFT that is worth not even a million on market right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's like, what did you think? I'm blown away sometimes. And that's also why I definitely get why some people think it's money laundering. Because <laughs> well, I'm sure it is too. There, I'm sure that happens as well. Again, because that's what physical what art you would too. do if you wanted to like do something sketchy. Uh, oh, this, uh, I'm going to pay X amount in, in tax. So now I'm going to invest in this NFT and then it's going to bankrupt me. And now I can do whatever you do with tax and get payment mm -hmm. bag and whatever i definitely I definitely see that could be a with some of those bigger numbers nfts um, mm -hmm. and it's 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 sad but you know we still get mails about the nigerian prince uh so where there's money there's scammers and cheaters and and people are trying to jump the fence uh where it's lowest you know yeah, that's for sure. Crypto's because it's so free, it's full of that. But uh, let's talk about the the specifics. Like we're talking about technical specifics of the NFT. So obviously, like with the cryptocurrency, basically the information is it's owed. Like the token is owned by this address, and then has like a transaction history, and there's like very little extra data to it. Now the NFT, obviously, you have that sort of thing, and then you have some metadata the one which most in most people's minds the metadata is the jpeg right the reference to an image somewhere so what are the kind of um what are the kind of metadata that can be embedded into an nft that you know of or at least at least as far as wax is concerned um on wax it's actually there's really no limits because we have um it, it's not easy but there is a way to put um immutable and mutable data into nfts mm -hmm. which means that it can be changed after you buy it some parts of the nft it could be if you coded right the picture so the longer you hold the nft in your wallet the older a guy gets or something like that mm -hmm. uh or for example like uh gno cd uh, gnomes um mm -hmm. little card games where you fight gnomes mm -hmm. uh, when you upgrade that the level is on the um, tr uh, transmutable data the uh stats so how uh, much damage you can do and all that updates on there along with how many times your gnome has lost or won a match 
So mm, if I go in and sell my gnome now, you'd see that that has been fighting 200 times and won only 40 of them or something like that. So that's on there on the NFT. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that uh, can change and, and be like that. And the other part you were talking about with just the JPEG part mm-hmm. is the IPFS and it's here it actually it's really important that people understand what they're actually doing yeah um because on OpenSea, they host the the ipfs for you if you just you know there is this drop box you throw it up you picture up and it takes it in and and all that then they host your ipfs it's nothing bad to do with that. It's a great service. Atomic Hub on Wax do the same. But if you, as a user, buy an NFT worth a lot of money or something you just value a lot, mm-hmm. you should go and take that hash on the NFT and search that and upload uh, or pin that in uh, uh, IPFS host like Pinata Cloud or otherwise. So you pin that hash yourself. That's basically like when people were doing music torrenting and stuff. Yeah. When you kept that file in your downloader for a little while so other people could download from there. Mm-hmm. Right now, OpenSea or Atomic Hub is the only server that holds that picture of your ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollar NFT. Yeah, so it's very take scary. Take that hash and pin it on your own because if they decide to remove it, you still hold it and it's still up. Otherwise, it can't be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that's yeah. I've seen it happen, and even it's it's ridiculous uh, because yeah. It hurts. Of course. <laughs> so as far as the mutable data, the stuff that you can edit at a later point or can be changed, uh, what are the ways of interacting with that? So is it the original creator can decide to change that? Is it the the whole current holder could decide to change that? Like what are the it possibilities? Is, um, it is a bit depending on how it's set in the in the contract. Uh, mm-hmm. But for gnomes, for gnome series, it's only their contract when interacting with the game. Mm-hmm. There is allowed to uh, change that data, mm. but that also means that, like, they can do a blending. So down the line, I can take this NFT and this NFT and blend together, and now the powers from both come together. Mm-hmm. But they can update that because it's on their contract on their end. Um, I can't do anything there, but they could have said it so people could put their own. Um, there was a Ethereum actually project that did something like that with stories mm-hmm. that they minted small stories that you bought an NFT, then you uh, send a little uh, comment message and that then printed itself into the NFT as part of your story. Um, but that was, again, because when you hold the NFT, then it 
opens a common field that nobody else can see other than the one holding and owning the NFT. Um, but again, it's it's not something everyone just does, but it is possible. And, and that's, again, the most important thing that like it is possible to do and where we can do go with that for the people that really need it because the majority of people don't need to change their metadata in the nfts other than hosting their ipfs themselves yeah we can easily see in the future though for different applications that could be very useful so for example say you use a an nft for a a real estate title, like your house is an NFT. And then every single time you have a major repair, like you have the roof ch- repaired, you have the, the boiler or change or whatever, the repair technician interacts with um, with the contract there and it, it logs that repair onto the NFT. So then when you transfer the property ownership, you have kind of an immutable record of every single repair that has taken place on that. That is basically possible if people set it up right, because make the NFT with mutable data and then have uh, the way it's written on the NFT done by a contract that has uh, multi-sig. So that, you know, the repair guy just sends a request or a proposal, which mm-hmm. it, it's called on wax, at least it's called a proposal. Um, and that proposal is I've changed the gutters mm-hmm. and sent that in. And now the owner of the house, which will be uh, me and uh, my wife, for example, we would have uh, this uh, key, both of us. And now we both need to sign that yes, this proposal got made and he has now changed the tiles on on the house or the gutters on the house. And we can even pay him when accepting that and putting it into the contract. Mm -hmm. And it can pay him at the same time. But of course, that requires that people would take WAX or a coin on WAX or EOS or crypto in general. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's kind of a... It's kind of interesting how, um, because recently I just went through the process of, you know, homeownership and there's a lot of, there's a a big black box of (laughs) information around a property and the process for getting that information is quite involved and possibly costly. You have to pay inspectors, you have to go in here, you have to you know, go over some documents, see some disclosures, go back and forth. And there's other things that were not disclosed that come up later. And just there's all this mess of things, which there's a whole industry built around the mess of things that the real estate market is. And just like the, the terror of interacting with something that could have so many things wrong with it. uh, it I can imagine there's a lot of value in shrinking the possibilities of things gone wrong down very quickly where you can, you know, every time it was inspected, every time anything happened, there's a, an actual signed addendum to the, to the NFT. And then you get to just, all you, like you, you get to just 
in five minutes assess an entire property and its entire history and verify everything just just on your computer without having to go interact with all these other costly kind of oracles as they were you know and definitely a, a industry changer for sure um also when we look at the music industry for that matter uh normally people need to you know have a promoter have a label company have a, a producing company and and all that just to make music and um you know myspace and and youtube and and stuff kind of changed that whole aspect and suddenly now with nfts you also can control your royalties mm-hmm. because again if if I make CDs and I sell you a CD, wow, I made $10. Cool. Mm-hmm. Then you go throw the CD out or give it to a friend or something and I don't make nothing. Okay. But here, and like if my music is on my NFTs, then maybe you don't, you, you bought the album, you bought a pack, you got all the songs in the album. You only like four of them, you sell the rest. I still get market fees for the rest of the songs you made or you, you sold. So it's, we are breaking the fundamental aspects of the way things are done beforehand, but, uh, but doing it in a way that of course, big businesses probably wouldn't like, because again, you, you said yourself about uh, land ownership and stuff. There's a whole business built around that. And suddenly we, kind of don't need that whole business yeah that's a lot of people that kind of loses their job there or need to find something else to do uh but like that's evolution right we needed a lot more people making sure that our horses was good and fed when we were using uh um, horse boogies and and stuff and yeah yeah, not to mention the banking system. How many people <laughs> will need to find out something different to do? Yeah, it's... Oh, it yeah, makes... today we have a banking system where we pay our bank to have our card and that thing, and they don't even hold money in the bank. And they mm-hmm. have 40 employers or, or something uh, just sitting at a disk, not doing nothing, but we pay them anyway. So that's a beautiful system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes kind of makes one wonder also what the carbon footprint of the banking industry is in terms of just all the electricity spent just having physical locations and ATMs and just all that just sitting there and that doesn't quite get compared. Uh, so let's mention a few of the um, things that NFTs can do with um, authentication type things. So like, for example, uh, tickets and memberships. Obviously, theoretically, that's a very big thing of like, oh, you sell someone NFT and they get into a special chat room or something, or you sell someone NFT and they can use it to, you know, get into a concert or whatever thing like that. So do you know much about services and companies or things that right now exist to, to verify the like NFT ownership in order to do that? In the real world aspect, not yet Uh, there isn't many there is a couple of projects that has tried um but they have a bit of a problem and and many of the projects as far as i'm aware has tried it on ethereum and binance smart chain and has a bit of a problem because you need to do a 
an actual transaction to sign into your wallet on MetaMask and stuff. You cannot just make a view. You need to mm-hmm. interact and no matter what, it's going to cost you something. Um, and that's a bit of a problem where if you went to do it on, on, on Wax or EOS with, for example, the Anchor wallet, which is a great mobile wallet, um, basically like the MetaMask of EOS IO um, mm-hmm. for people that don't know. Um, it allows you to take up like uh, if if I go to whatever conference today and they sent me the NFT uh, as a membership, I can go in, just need to show that. On the door, they will have a, a QR code and I scan it with my Anchor wallet and it uh, asked me to slide. And as soon as it signs in and recognized, because then it do a request order, then it recognized that that NFT is in my wallet that I just scanned and signed with, it will mm-hmm. open the door. Just do you know any um, like um, sites or something you, to, like, go to find in, out about in, that? In beta, we, there are a couple of people on, on mm-hmm. kind of my team and, and such. There's working to try to get it real world functional. Um, mm-hmm. But like for groups on Telegram or uh, Discord or so on, there are already a lot of them. Uh, I have my own little group where you need uh, a little pipe to get in. Otherwise, it mutes you as soon as you get in. It just mutes and deletes your hmm. your messages if you don't hold that. Um, stuff like that, it is definitely uh, possible and functional that the missing aspect right now is that you know uh the doorkeeper or whatever gets a response back mm-hmm. uh, and that's why we we kind of tested it with a robot arm so when you sign it actually can open like this the door for you as soon mm-hmm. as you slide and it re- verifies that you have that nft it opens the door for you um but it would be more ideal that uh, the, uh, you know, the doorkeeper can get a message on, on a screen that shows that a thumbs up something that this is okay, this is okay, this is not verified. or mm-hmm. um, And that part is missing, um, but the other part is functional. So it can easily become something. And especially with tickets as you are uh, coming in on because... Uh, football stadium tickets or soccer or depending on where you're from in in the world um but yeah soccer for the most part if we are talking us i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. um then like when you go to the stadium there is always a guy outside selling tickets and some of them are probably fake and that's also a aspect that you get away from with nfts that if you know that the creating wallet is whatever for example if you know my nfts that do this to my event is printed under the account danish crypto you then know when you see somebody trying to sell your nft that's not created from danish crypto this is a fake yeah so we like easily can 
get away from that because we can track history and stuff. I, I can send you NFT and you could see that I got that two years ago from somebody else because we can track the history of it so we can verify things much easier. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also, again, an aspect where people need to fully understand that blockchain technology is not anonymous. Mm, of course. Uh, the majority of it isn't. There is a couple of currencies out there that actually is, but the majority of things we're doing on here is like, is public knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are your, you mentioned like telegram bot that would, you know, if you don't have access to something, it mutes you automatically. Uh, what are some of your favorite um, telegram bot or discord bot or whatever, like projects that do that right now? Um, again, the one I, uh, the host, my own, um, mm -hmm. is done by NFT sticker co, uh, the creator mm -hmm. from there made my bot. There is doing it with my own collection. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, the best for that kind of aspect is probably honeycomb. Uh, they do it on, on especially discord, um, where they do it really good. Uh, we have also done it for Ken Bosak's uh, Discord chat. That's me and my development team that's done that. Um, the developers of uh, behood.network. Uh, so there is a bridge there. If you hold the first generation membership, you get a special role and, and so on. Um, there is also stuff like uh, text-based mining in there with the uh, uh, enhancers if you have um, if you have special NFTs in your wallet and you are really active in Ken Bosak's uh, Discord or mm -hmm. Telegram you make Ken token for texting in there uh, in his uh, Telegram you make dust as well also for texting uh, so there is a like just being active in a crypto community you can you can make something and and get started and uh, yeah there uh, i personally have seen wax as a the onboarding space in crypto that we kind of need uh mm. to breach over to the none as nerdy uh, people, even though NFTs and games and stuff can kind of be the nerdy part, but you know, crypto and and blockchains and that is another level of of nerdy <laughs> For stuff. Sure. Um, and today it's just really starting to become easy. And I don't know, you probably since Kim got you on. Um, mm -hmm. Wax, you probably made a, a Wax Cloud wallet. Yeah, uh, I'm using Anchor currently, but yeah. Yeah, great. That's again, I'm, but you probably got introduced to that. Um, mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, how, how was your uh, interaction with the Cloud wallet? Even though it, it's not a 
private mm -hmm. keys and wires, but like your introduction, here is a wallet here. Now you can interact. How was that feeling compared to whatever? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty simple. And it's kind of funny because in my experience, there's two very distinct camps of, well, there's maybe three of crypto users. And the one is the investor who only ever interacts in something like Coinbase. And then the other is the the nerd user who they mo they rarely use crypto. And when they do, they do stuff like, oh, I bootstrap my own node here. Or like I did little, just something very technical, but like as a fun side thing to do and not like the main life. And then there's people like me who are everyday users of crypto and have been for the better part of a decade. And it's kind of, it's very interesting to see the culture shock between these these groups because there i've been i mean as far as like for example um i've been a heavy dash user since 2016 and as far as using it for basic payments and stuff it's extremely easy and some sometimes i jump out of that world and like try to do something with say ethereum or something I'm like oh wow this is terrible <laughs> like, i don't know what i'm doing here or I try to use like Lightning Network type stuff. And it's just like the, the complexities here and there. It just, it's a big shock. So with the Wax experience didn't like surprise me necessarily because I'm used to the the user end of crypto. But it is it is a contrast between like anytime I try to touch Ethereum, it always ends up being a bad experience for me because of like the complexity of it and the the weird user experience of it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Daz is definitely definitely a digital cast. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> a concept that actually works. The only thing there in in my mind is that their privacy layer is is flawed mm -hmm. uh, because one percent of their user base uses it. Um, That's me. <laughs> a few other people, of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, this seems like a good spot to wrap this whole thing up on. Uh, where can people find more about you and the work that you're doing? Oh, um, yeah, I'm Danish Crypto on Telegram, uh, at Danish Crypto, exactly as it's spelled here on screen. Um, and at Danish Crypto with big DK uh, because of Denmark on Twitter. And uh, bhood.network um, is my main project. Uh, mm -hmm. website um so that's that's about it yo there is also the i have a telegram group also danish crypto dk uh mm -hmm. if i don't answer in private i get a lot of dms so yeah that makes sense all right well thanks for being on and yeah everyone have a good and thanks one. for having me and uh, that was a nice uh yeah we've all been on here for a little over an hour already so that went fast Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.